Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Here we are on your lunch hour. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein. Busy show today. A mystery special guest coming up at 1230. Looking forward to that. We are live and loud today from the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Excellence. It's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. Let's kick off the show like we always do. Let's talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, we got the press release just a few, about an hour and a half ago from the Calgary Flames that Glenn Godden has signed a, another contract with the Flames. And here's a guy that... Um, they drafted, they've been working hard with, he's had some injury problems and I know you have a special relationship with him. You've been following his career for quite a while. Must be a good day in the garden household to know that, uh, he is still part of the Calgary Flames plans going forward. It is a good day in the garden household. And in fact, I went back and forth on text last night with, uh, his agent who inferred that, uh, some good news was coming and, um, he was not wrong and that Glenn was very happy at where they had arrived. And it is a one-year, $700,000 two-way deal. Um, Kelly, I, I vividly remember the first time I watched Glenn. It was in the 2011-2012 season. I was at the arena in Delta, British Columbia, where he was the captain that was in his Western Hockey League Bantam draft year of the Seafair Islanders. And uh, didn't take many shifts at 14 to see that he was going to be pretty good. He ended up being the fourth overall pick. Um, but Glenn Godden is fascinating to me for, for many reasons. So he's a highly touted guy coming into junior. Ended up being drafted in 2015 by Swift Current, or by St. Louis, pardon me, played in Swift Current. And the Blues did not opt in that two-year window to come to terms with him, but it didn't deter Glenn one bit. So the Flames saw a promise, and in November of 2017, they signed him. Well, his junior career ended with a championship as the captain, leading Swift Current to the Western Hockey League title, and was the playoff MVP to boot. And I had a chance to watch him play, including the Memorial Cup, about 10 different times. And he was such an incredible difference maker in that run to the title. He was on two incredibly injured shoulders by the time the Memorial Cup came to a conclusion in Regina, Saskatchewan, which, Mr. Kirsch, you watched with your own two eyes in part as as well. Um, But it's an important chapter because Glenn bet on himself, and all he has done is get better and better to the point where this past season in Stockton, he put up 47 points in 53 games. And I truly believe, guys, that had he not suffered an ankle sprain during the course of the Calgary Flames camp in July, I think we would have already seen him in National Hockey League playoff games. I think that's where he's ascended to. Um, I love the fact that each and every year, all he has done is gotten better and better. I love his progression. He's already shown that he can lead the way in helping a team, you know, win a championship. That, as you guys know, means a ton to me. He's respectful, uh, you know, and, and I just think all he's done is kind of 
you know, he's taken any kind of adversity or challenges and he's channeled them into being better and better. So as I tweeted out a short time ago, um, there's not a lot of doubt in my mind, and we still don't know how the puzzle is going to completely play itself out, but I see him spending a considerable amount of time, if not potentially even full-time, in the Calgary Flames scenario this upcoming season. It's very interesting what happens during free agency, and Friday we saw a bunch of uh, bunch of stories and some guys coming in, but more importantly, I think it's the guys that weren't coming back, Lou. And we saw maybe this is an opportunity for Glenn because there were some of the guys that maybe were ahead of him when it comes to experience and on the depth chart. Maybe this is his, uh, his, his time to show that he can be on that fourth line and maybe some spot duty. Or do you think it's more of a situation if there is a farm team in Stockton where you're, you're back and forth on the airplane? Or is it, is it uh, his, his job to lose right now on that fourth line or too soon uh-huh. to tell? No, I, I think in part it is. I'd probably scope it out, though, this way, Kelly. Um, the Calgary Flames had to make a decision very recently on Mark Jankowski. And I think one of the reasons they were able to feel good about bringing that relationship to an end is because of the progress of Glenn Godden. The By and large, when you move on from someone, lots of things come into play, including salary, you know, that in this day and age matters and i'm not going to tell you that it doesn't now or probably ever but if all of a sudden you have you know a need in your lineup and it needs to be filled when you're building your puzzle board properly you want somebody to move in and fill it so um you know will glenn be in the exact role no but he's certainly you know at seven hundred thousand. i think at this point in time I think there's more upside with him going forward. Now, that's not to say Mark's not going to go to Pittsburgh and, you know, kind of reinvent himself a little bit, and he's had some hard things to deal with. But, again, um, I'm one of those few odd people, maybe. I don't worry as much when guys have to go other places. And, frankly, if they do well there, that's, that's, that's life. Yeah, that's hockey. It is. That's sports. And I think at times in sports, to be honest, Kelly, moves don't get made sometimes for the benefit of your own group because you're sometimes so consumed with what might happen when he's not part of your team anymore. And I get it because now we have, you know, we always love to play armchair quarterback. So that could potentially happen even with Jankowski going forward. But at a certain point, it's about your team and what fits best for your group and what you need and, and how that allows those people to grow. And that's what makes it difficult. But, you know, that's, that's where I go with Glenn is as much as it's about, you know, I, I think he just earned a place to say, we now have some really good options. So it allows us to be more comfortable cutting bait with somebody who's been here for a few years because we see someone very comfortable in our, if you will, bottom six going forward. And for who knows how long. And, you know, Glenn, I think, is going to get the opportunity this year to somewhat like Andrew Mangiapane, you know, did coming out of last season in some ways, although he had more experience, obviously, than Glenn has in the NHL at this point. But, you know, Andrew bet on himself, and now... 
you know, that's kind of the next part of the equation is to see what his new deal looks like. And that's where I was going to go next, that there's a roadmap for, for Glenn Godden with Andrew Mangiapane and to a certain extent too, uh, Dylan Dubé. Uh, but for, for Mangiapane, starting out in that bottom six, working his way into a top six role and now working his way into uh, potentially a new deal um, as he needs a contract after the negotiations went the way they did last year. Um, uh, I guess, where do you, or how do you see that going? And what is Andrew Mangiapane with the Calgary Flames for this upcoming season? What is, what is he in terms of where I see him slotting for sure? Yes. Is yeah, that, is yeah. that, Sorry, that where would be a better one? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Peter, for sure. Um, you know, great growth as of today. I don't know how he's not a top six, winger for you he is as of this very moment um you know what hasn't andrew done well all he's done is gotten better and better and better and you know the place that he ascended to really when you think about it made michael frolik you know expendable and i love michael but but in a sense when i looked at that line backland and kachuk with Monjapani. You know, there's how hockey is. So it's it's a great place to illustrate how it goes. A certain player fits a certain role, and that's where Michael was for a long time and did an incredible job doing it. I'm, I'm a massive, always will be a Michael Froelich fan, but the Flames saw an opportunity to grow Andrew Mangiapane younger, potentially equal or if not more upside offensively to grow with. But in order to grow... You have to get the opportunity. And all Andrew has done has gotten better and better and better. Now, the next part of the negotiation is interesting because, remember, you know, Rich Winter is his agent. Um, You know, they were at a crossroads last year when Andrew came to camp, not real late, but a few days late, and that was fine. And, you know, he settled on a deal to put him in this position. Now, he's in a position to get a significant raise. But how big is that raise? Which goes back to, Peter, the question that you asked. So he's, he, for me, right now, is he is a top nine guy all day long for 10 years. I'm convinced. I'm convinced because of his work, because of his versatility, his ability to retrieve. He's got good hands. Um, but again... It's, it's whether you define exactly what is a top six forward. He's a top six guy right now today on the Calgary Flames for sure. Is he in your top nine as long as you want him to be? Absolute sure. I think the next step is, which is where, you know, the negotiations always get tricky, is he a for sure top six guy? I'm betting, if, you, if I had to bet, I'm betting yes. I'm betting yes. Because that's the growth and the maturity. Yet I understand, do I think Andrew is ever going to score incredibly easy? No. But is he an incredible worker with great vision and see the game and give you everything he's got? You know who Andrew reminds me a little right now where he is in the league? I I see him and Zach Hyman in some ways as similar. Like they're... They're workers. I think Andrew, you know, has more offensive upside. 
But if you watch the Toronto Maple Leafs really close, don't think that Hyman isn't a really, really valuable player. And while some people had wondered, you know, especially in the Mike Babcock era, why you would find Hyman, you know, with the likes of the Matthews, there's a reason why. And I see Andrew, you know, in a similar type vein and in a similar type way with the Calgary Flames. His work, his ability, his versatility is really, really vital. And I think they're lucky to have him. And and I'm fascinated to see where they arrive in terms of of money. And maybe more more interesting is the length of the new deal. Guys, I I think this is always a nice problem to have when you're a team that digs and digs and digs. And Lou, you, you watch junior hockey all the time and they find this guy, they draft him in later rounds and just take their time with him. He was like, when he first came up, it's like, okay, he's, he's small, but he's, he, he hustles and he's got some upside, but to work with a guy and develop him, that somebody saw something in him and somebody obviously knew what, what yes. buttons to press to make him better. And obviously, Andrew has 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 known that he's done the work too, to to get to this point. Kelly, the back half of it is the most important, and and why I say that is it's been his work, his work, and and what he has done to challenge himself. Here's what derails a lot of potentially long National Hockey League careers. So remember, Andrew put up a hundred points two seasons in a row in Barry. In this day and age, when you hit the century mark, even in major junior, like you're a good player. However, what derails guys is when their role changes in the pros. And when they have to understand that, you know, unless you're kind of the elite of the elite, that you're not going to score. You're not going to produce at the same level ever again going forward. So you have to understand at that point, mature, grow your game. Most of the time, you know, the maturity comes away from how responsible you are without the puck and your work. And when those two things get better and you can kind of sell yourself on the fact that you're not going to produce at those same type of levels, then I think you allow yourself to become successful and grow in the best league in the world where it gets difficult is the part where the challenge of mentally not being able to do some of the things that you've done your whole life in the game that weighs on people heavily. I mean, I'd even say, hasn't that been a bit of a stigma for Sam Bennett? Hasn't that been part of what's maybe plagued him a little bit is granted one guy's a six round pick and one guy's fourth overall. But again, what do you do in any situation when you can't now do some of the things that you used to do at a different level? As easy, yeah. And it's funny you should say that because just hearing your, your, your chatting about that, I mean, we probably could have had something similar on this hit 18 months ago about Dylan Dubé. And probably yes. farther back against with with Sam Bennett, I would think, right? Different different situations, yeah. different different statuses when it comes to drafting, but it doesn't really matter because if you want to play in the NHL, you have to do what it takes. You do, you do, and, and what you really have to be able to do 
is is work through the frustration, Kelly, and the challenges. And, and I think for you know Sam Bennett and higher drafted star type players coming out of junior or college, I I think that challenge mentally is more difficult. I really do because you're not used to it. You know, there, there hasn't been a time in your hockey playing days where all of a sudden you don't feel like you're good enough, you know, or why isn't my game translating? So, you know, and that's part of maturing and growing and working on things that, you know, don't come naturally. Most guys who are selected really highly have a lot of natural ability that allows them to be really, really successful, you know, at the minor levels. But then, you know, when the roadblock comes up and you can't do it the same way, how do you deal with it? And more importantly, how, like, does the work stay good or does the frustration win out over the work? And sometimes, you know, do you feel sorry for yourself? And that's easy to do. And they've had both and, guys in, in Calgary over the years. Well, right? it's both hard. Ty- both types of guys, right? That's like, oh, what's going on here? I better call my agent. There's been stuff like that. Right. And then there's or guys why going. Aren't, why aren't I playing with this guy? If only I had more opportunity or if only I played with different people, that the game would change. Well, no, it, that's part of it. And again, like everybody else in life, the opportunities that we get matter. And you have to earn those opportunities. But in any business or as any athlete, um, you know, when push comes to shove, you also have to have the ability to take some ownership for why things Mm -hmm. aren't going your way. And I do. I'm not downplaying how hard it is. It's incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult when you think your game in any way should translate the way you see it and other people see it different. But then you have to ask yourself the hard questions. Why isn't it? So, you know, and and in the case of Dylan, well, you know, all Dylan has ever done on big stages is get better and better. Now, over the course of Dylan's career, has, has there been ups and downs? Yes. Does Dylan have a lot of expectation of himself and his own abilities? Yes. Do I think there's going to be times even in the next couple of years where, you know, the road even for him isn't paved without bumps? No, because I don't think that happens for anybody. But, you know, even thinking about Dylan, um, A, I have great trust because when it matters the most, he's always been really effective. And I think he's a heck of a player. And, you know, when I think even about this team – you know, going into camp whenever that starts, come December or whenever it's going to happen again. Um, you know, would I be opposed to a forward line that looks like this? Kachuk, Lindholm, and Dubé? No, I wouldn't. Mm, yeah. No, I wouldn't. And I've thought about it. I've thought about it a lot. Now, again, you know, those are hard places to get to. But Dylan, along with Sam Bennett and Milan Lucic, you can you can call them third line. You can call them whatever you want, labeling-wise. I know what that line was for the Flames in the playoffs. It was their best line. Yeah, lots of energy, lots of uh, momentum changing, that kind of stuff. They produce. Yeah, all that stuff. Lou, um, we're not going to have time to do it today, but I want to 
kind of do a little tease, a little radio tease. Sure. Um, we, we heard from Elliot Friedman. He was on Hockey Central over in Toronto. And, and the question, every, I get it twice, three times a day. So, hey, what do you think the NHL season is going to start? And uh, I don't know uh, is, is the quick answer. And, and most people don't know. But they're starting to think about scenarios. Okay? Now, mm-hmm. and the, one of the scenarios, and it's, it's, there's just too much, uh, there's too much um, you know, smoke there not to have something, is a Canadian division. So tomorrow... We'll get uh, PK. We'll get uh, Logan involved. What does that look like? Because you you've uh, you've got some questions and some thoughts on 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 what that would look like, specifically, obviously for the Flames. Yeah, I do absolutely. And I'll just leave you with this quickly. Um, so maybe even some long term viability that may involve one non Canadian team. Whoa. Like a wannabe Canadian team. Sure. Okay. Okay. Mm, all right. Um, don't worry about the Dodgers. They're going to be fine. No, they're not. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> okay, Lou, we'll talk tomorrow. Okay. Have a good one. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. PK, Logan, how about that for a tease? Like an all-Canadian division, but maybe one non-Canadian team. What does he Mm. mean by that? Yeah, I'm I'm, because the last time he did that, he came way out of left field on something I wasn't expecting. So I'm looking forward to this. Okay, so we'll we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, We do have baseball on the radio later on tonight, as uh, Tampa Bay and uh, Houston, all those Astro fans hoping for uh, a bit more of a performance, and 99% of everybody else listening wants uh, a sweep. So there is that. Yes. So we'll see what happens with that. We got that uh, tonight. Uh, pre-game at 6, first pitch about 6.40 or so. We'll take a break. Our mystery guest is coming up next on Hockey Central. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. We continue right up till 1 o'clock in the arrival first hour of the big show right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. I said a mystery guest, so let's... Uh, Head up the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Now, can we get some some sad music for the uh, for the mystery guests before we bring them on? <clears throat> okay, there we go. Good choice, Logan. Sounds good. So there's our mystery guest up there in Cochrane, staring at his golf clubs, going, I don't know when I'm going to play again. I had a pretty good October, and then it snowed. And then he looked at his passport and going, when am I ever going to be able to travel again? I don't know. Then he looked at his fantasy football team and the team that he follows, the Miami Dolphins, even sadder. But you know what? He's a professional. And he's going to suck it up for this segment on Hockey Central. He's the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills. Willsy, how are you? Hi, guys. Uh, well, I, I suddenly feel depressed. Oh, no. After that oh, no. sad music. And, yeah, sounds like I live a pretty sad life. Do you want happier on, uh, music next, next time we bring you on? We'll, bring you, we'll get some happier music next time. 
And you got to stop calling me this like fabulous mystery guest because you're building me up too much. Uh, people are <laughs> tuning in expecting to hear somebody a heck of a lot better than me, but uh, it's good to be on again. Awesome. So what have you been doing? Like, obviously, well, that's better. That was that's very Star Wars-like. <laughs> the, uh, what do you, so the Flames, uh, you know, buy out to the Dallas Stars, and then then you kind of, you know, we ramped up again, and then we ramped back down again. So what do you, what have you been doing to, uh, to occupy your time as we get ready for the start of, uh, of the next season? Well, counting down the days right now. I mean, prior to Mother Nature dumping a bunch of snow on us on Monday, uh, I was playing a lot of golf out at Pritis Greens, and it got lucky this year because last year it snowed, I think, early to mid-September. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they closed the course September 14th, so got almost an extra month this year, and God knows if there was a year where we needed an extra month of golf or where I needed an extra <laughs> month of golf, this was it. So uh, since then, just been doing some stuff around the house and uh, – Watching some football. Dolphins did win last week, big time, by the way. Mm-hmm. My fantasy football team, on the other hand, did not. <laughs> John Bender kicked my butt. But, uh, no, I'm looking forward to the start of the season, hoping for January 1st now. And you talked about uh, the potential scenario of a Canadian division, Kelly, and that's pretty exciting. It would be strange, but maybe fun for one year. The other thing that I'm excited about, potentially, is opening the season on January 1st with a battle of Alberta between the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers at Lake Louise. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that. That would be amazing. Um, it would look amazing on TV. We'd have to paint Ooh. the pictures on, on radio. Um, and so my, my, uh, my scenario for our hit it assumes that there isn't a Canadian division and we're going to talk about the old Pacific division because I know you were, uh, you were locked on like everybody else. Uh, you know, Flames had, had the draft, and then a little bit later on Friday it was uh, – it was free agent day. So I thought I would I would go in, in kind of reverse order. We'll talk about the Flames at, at the last. And some of these teams are going to be pretty easy to talk about because they didn't do much, Wellesley. They didn't do much at all. And I'm talking about, um, let's just talk about, you know, the, the Sunbelt teams, as you were. Arizona, Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose really didn't do much on free agency. I have some, some tweaks there. And... Those are teams that need to get better. Give me your give me your sense of how the the lower teams uh, fared, you know, with the draft and with free agency. Well, it's funny because for so many years those California teams dominated the Pacific Division, and now they're going through a stretch of of being forced into rebuilds. And I think the Kings have actually done a pretty good job. I don't think they're close to contending at this point in time. Probably still two or three years away. The Ducks, in a way, are trying to rebuild on the fly. And the Sharks just seem to get older every year. So I'm not sure if they think their window is still open. Maybe it is. I don't believe that it is. But uh, they're a team that I think needs to get younger and probably needs to add some more talent. But, you know, those three California teams, so good for so long, uh, are suddenly in a position they're not used to being in. And, And that's good news for the rest of the Pacific Division, with the exception of the Coyotes, who seemed to be going for it last year. You know, they went out and made a big deal, brought in Taylor Hall, and now they're rebuilding again. And that comes after their general manager quit in the middle of the playoffs. So they're in a bit of a tough spot there. But I think you've got four teams who could all potentially win the Pacific Division next year. The the Golden Knights have to go in as the favorite. Uh, I mean, I don't love their goaltending scenario right now. I can't imagine that both Robin Leonard and 
to an even greater extent. Mark Andre Fleury are going to be happy. It's a lot of money. Time. It's a lot of money for those guys. Yeah, it, it certainly is, especially when you look at the Flames going out and getting a legitimate number one elite goaltender, and they're paying their two NHL guys under nine million dollars total per year. So the Golden Knights, I, I mean, when you look at skill at the goaltending position, probably as good as anybody in the league. But that's a lot of money and probably a lot of headaches for the head coach trying to figure out how to keep both of those guys happy. But they upgrade their blue line. I do think they're going to miss Nate Schmidt. For me, he was the unofficial captain of that hockey club, the heartbeat of that team, certainly on the back end. I do think they're going to miss him. But, I mean, you can't say that it wasn't an upgrade going out and getting the captain of the the Stanley Cup champions a couple years ago and Alex Petrangelo. And finding a way to get that done was, uh, was pretty darn impressive. They lose Paul Stastny, but still lots of depth up front. So I think the Golden Knights have had a good offseason. I think you look at the two Alberta teams. That the Flames have been looking for a legitimate number one goaltender since Mika Kiprasov left. And I think for the first time, they've got a guy who can be that. Now, as Brad Treloving said, you hate to make comparisons. He hasn't played a game with the Flaming Sea on his chest yet. But Jacob Markspring's been one of the best goaltenders in the league for the last couple of years. And uh, I think the Flames have certainly upgraded at that position. And that's with all due respect to Cam Talbot, who was phenomenal since the turn of the calendar and, and certainly the Flames' best player in the playoffs. And I would have been happy to see him coming back, but they upgraded that position. Uh, I think that uh, they have some work to do at forward, certainly uh, if not in their top six, then in their bottom six filling things out. And they, they've got to add another defenseman, a right-side defenseman probably to play with Yusuf Alamaki on that third pairing. So they've got some work to do. Uh, the Oilers clearly wanted Jacob Markstrom, missed out on him. They bring Mike Smith back, uh, and I can't imagine that tandem is going to make Oilers fans very happy and unless they're a lot more consistent than they were last season. But, you know, I do like a couple of the moves that the Oilers made. I think bringing in Tyson Berry is going to give them a quarterback for their first power play, and on a show-me contract, he's going to be motivated and getting Kyle Turris for next to nothing, just a couple of years removed from him being such a hot commodity in the league. I think that was a really good deal for Ken Holland. So I think those are three of the teams that are going to contend. And the Canucks are a really interesting team for me because free agency didn't start very well, Kelly, but getting Nate Schmidt for a third round pick, I thought that was quite the coup. I, I still think that they have to, to add a piece or two, but the Canucks are a, an exciting young team. And I think one of four teams that should compete for the Pacific division and, and certainly compete for a playoff spot next season. Okay, well, what about the the Flames? We talked about Markstrom. You you know they make the you know some tweaks here. Um, they get Tanov obviously in the back end. You talked about the forward situation. Do you think it's more of a signing situation because there's still, some guys still out there, or do you think uh, we're going to see a big trade? Because I I, I kind of like that because it's it's big news for us when they make a big trade. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun on the radio, wouldn't it? I was yep. kind of hoping that we would see something go down during the draft. Now, Brad Treleving, to his credit, I thought did a great job trading down not once but twice and still getting the player that he wanted in Connor's area. I mean, adding a couple of third-round picks uh, gives you a little more currency if you do want to go out and make a move, or if you don't, then you can use those picks and potentially take players that can help you down the road. But uh, I think for the Flames, their number one priority right now has to be to add a right-side defenseman. And when you look at who's available, Kelly, not a lot of names that, that I'm in love with. There are a couple that I quite like. If uh, I could do the deal, uh, I'd, I'd go after Sammy Votnin. Uh, he's 29 years old, so I think right in the prime of his career, had 23 points in 47 games. He's 
a guy who can play both sides but is a right-handed shot, made just under $5 million last year. So I'd certainly uh, take a long look at him. And if you could get Travis Hamannick on a shorter-term deal, you know who he is, you know what he does, He's a guy who can certainly play under penalty kill. You can put him on the ice in the final minute to protect a one-goal lead. He's a heart and soul guy. I, I wouldn't commit to him long-term because he plays the game at, at such a competitive level that I think he's got some tough miles on him, but had a pretty good year last year before he yeah. got hurt again, 29. And if you could get him on a short-term deal at a reasonable price, I'd, I'd certainly consider bringing him back. But beyond those two guys, Kelly, nobody that I'm in love with, that the Flames could bring in to, to play on the right side again, potentially on a pairing with Yusuf Alamaki. So they might have to, to go bargain shopping and, and maybe have a couple of veteran options uh, to stick in that spot. Well, I was just going to ask you about Valimaki and where, where your assumption is he's, he's going to play, or is it maybe too soon to, to think where he is? He hasn't played. I mean, he's playing now, but he had a long time off and injuries and that kind of stuff. What, what's reasonable for him uh, when it comes to Flames fans expecting was he a second pairing third pairing guy what do you think well i think the way things stand right now i mean they're set on the left side you've got mark giordano noah hannafin and yusuf alamaki and for me it's a great spot for him to start he's you know getting some hockey under his belt now which will i think allow him to hit the ground running when he comes back to north america and get set to start the nhl season i i see him as a full-time nhler right out of the gate and i think you can ease him in uh, as part of your third pairing the question is who does he play with? I think a lot of people, when the Flames signed Chris Tanev, assumed, well, they're bringing him in as a veteran guy, a, a guy who's steady defensively and, and plays the game the right way and plays with edge. And you know, he's, he's one of those guys who's tough to play against and will block shots or do anything he has to do to help the team win. And I think he would be a fantastic mentor for Yusuf Alamaki, but I don't think you bring Tanev in for the price and the term that you do to play him on your third pairing. So I'm not sure you'll see those guys together a lot, at least not to start. I think you probably go either Jordano Tanev or Jordano Anderson, and then whoever's not playing with Jordano would play with Hannafin on the second pairing. And then it's Valimaki and somebody else in the third pairing. And with what the Flames have right now, I guess they do have a couple of options. They've got Alexander Yellison and they've got Alex Petrovich, who they signed as a free agent. So right now, I guess, if training camp started today, those two guys would be coming in competing for that, that uh, right side job in the third pairing for the Flames. But I still have a feeling Brad Treleving's trying to address that and, and to upgrade the top six on defense. And if he can, then, boy, one through three, you've got to love those pairings, don't you? Oh, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes loose and what the schedule looks like and all that kind of stuff. Derek Wills, voice of the Calgary Flames, is our guest on Hockey Central at noon, also joined by Peter Klein. Peter. Uh, Derek, in the last segment with Lou, we talked a bit about Andrew Mangiapane. Uh, the, that contract negotiation, uh, I would imagine, pretty high up on the uh, the to-do list for uh, Brad Treliving and Flames Brass. Um, where do you see Andrew Mangiapane fitting in with the Calgary Flames, um, I guess both short-term and long-term? Well, right now, I would have no issues with Jeff Ward reuniting that line with Michael Backlund between Andrew Mangiapane and Matthew Kachuk. And I'm still of the belief that if Kachuk doesn't get hurt early in that series against the Stars, the Flames probably win it. We'll never know, but that's just my gut feeling because there wasn't a lot to choose between the two teams, and Kachuk tends to be a difference maker. So and I'd have no problem seeing Jeff Ward put those three guys back together again. But we know Brad Trelawney, always looking around, seeing what's out there and available, and if 
there's a way to upgrade this team. I think he'd like to do it. I think Mangiapane, in a way, is holding things up. You know, maybe the Flames can go out and, and sign uh, a notable defenseman or a notable forward who could potentially play in their top six. But the question is, what kind of deal does Mangiapane get? I mean, Shalevin signing him just above league minimum for $715,000 last season was genius, but now he's going to get a big raise. But the question I have is how big a raise? And I think that completely it lies in how long the contract are you going to give the guy? If you're going to commit to him long-term, I think the dollar figure probably has to be somewhere between four and $5 million per. If you're going to go shorter term, maybe you get him for two and a half to, to three and a half or four, but you know, it really depends on how long Andrew Mangiapane's contract uh, is, is going to run for. I think that's going to really be a, a big determining factor in, in what the AAV is. But I think he's a top six forward unless Trelevin goes out and, and signs somebody like Mike Hoffman or Evgeny Dadnov, who clearly bumps somebody out of the top six and, and, and slides them down. So that, that's one question for me. And another question for me, guys, would be where does Sam Bennett play next season? Do you keep him at center? That's funny. That was going to be exactly my next question was, um, have we rekindled the Sam Bennett at center conversation? For me, we have. I mean, you yeah. played that position well at the toughest time of year. Why the hell not? So that that's that's kind of where I'm at. Where are you on that? Well, I mean, if he wasn't their best player in the playoffs, he was their best skater in the playoffs. I think we'd all agree on that, wouldn't we? I mean, Sam Bennett, he, he has been a beast in all four of his trips to the Stanley Cup playoffs, but he took it to a completely different level this season. He was the Flames' best skater. No ifs, ands, or buts for me. Everything that he brought to the table. He was pretty good in the face-off circle, especially before he got hurt and was playing through a, a pretty significant injury, which shows you just how tough Sam Bennett is. And he was a bull in a china shop. I, I mean, physically, led the league in hits when the Flames were knocked out. And as a result, the Flames led the league in hits when they were knocked out of the playoffs by the Stars. So I think he really kind of helped change the type of team that we watched. But when you, when you think about the internal growth and how the Flames have progressed as far as how they approach the way you have to play to be successful in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think Bennett certainly was a catalyst that the way he played this year. And I liked him at center. I love that line of him, Milan Lucic, and Dylan Dubé. And if we saw those three guys together to start next season, I, I think that'd be a line to be excited about. And I heard Lou say that, and you can label that line however you want, your first line, your second line, your third line. But the bottom line is when you take a look at their entire body of work through the postseason versus the Jets and the Stars, I think it's hard to argue that they were the Flames' best line in the postseason. So I, I think Bennett probably stays at center. But then you've got to look at your four guys down the middle. You've got Monaghan, Backlund, Bennett, and you've still got Ryan for another year. So that means Lindholm is on the wing. So... I guess the next question would be is, is do you want to leave him at right wing on that line with Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau, or would you rather see Elias Lindholm at center uh, sometime soon? So plenty of questions, but I guess plenty of options, which is the good news for the Flames and their fans. Yeah, it's going to be uh, neat to kind of just think about it and talk about it, and we'll see when training camp starts and and if there's a, a preseason or, or how they work it. There's just so many so many unanswered questions right now, Wilsey. It just, yeah. we're just we're really trying to find out with everybody else because I don't think I don't think the NHL knows either, right? No, I, I get the sense that they'd love to start January first, and everybody that I've talked to has indicated to me that the league really wants to find a way to play eighty-two games. But 
If they don't start January 1st, I think that's going to be incredibly difficult to do. I think the league also wants to make sure the season is done before the Olympics start. Do you really want to be competing with the Summer Olympics during your playoffs? I'm not sure that's the best idea. Not on TV, I don't, yeah. No, I'm not sure there would have been a return to play this year if the Olympics hadn't been moved from 2020 to 2021. So uh, I'd love to see the league play 82 games. I think in order to do that, they do have to start, if not January 1st, and certainly early in January. You can take away the All-Star break. You can take away your your CBA break and, and play a condensed schedule. And my fingers are crossed. I mean, if it goes much beyond January 1st, I think it's difficult to play 82. I think it's going to push games further into the summer, which is not ideal uh, from a number of perspectives. Uh, so I don't know, guys, I'm wondering just like you guys are, and, and probably most of our listener, listeners are what's going to happen here. And I think it's uh, probably going to take some time for the league to figure it out and uh, figure out what's going on with uh, this pandemic, which uh, certainly seems to have lows and highs depending on the day. Yeah, it sure does. Wilsey, thanks for uh, joining us. We appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. That was fun, guys. Look forward to it. All right, there we go. Derek Wills, voice of the Calgary Flames, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I want to tell you that uh, we, we've got our own mask supplier. You know it's a pandemic when the mighty 960 gets our own mask supplier. Uh, Tub Masks, they are an Alberta company, and uh, got to uh, see them in action, went and did a... Uh, a bit of a banquet sort of deal for uh, for a hockey uh, division and um, minor hockey guys, and they all had theirs on and looked really, really cool. Uh, I love mine. It's got the old military-grade breathable neoprene. Um, they really last, too. And you can get them all customized if you want. You can get your logo on there if you've got a group or an office or whatever. Um, you can go to tubmasks.ca to get all the details on what you want to. Simple as that. We'll take a break and tee up the big show next right here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein as we get ready to introduce the big show. Fellas, what do we have on the show today? Uh, coming up at 125, we have an Olympian joining us. As, what? Uh, Al- yeah, uh, see? Look, at you never know what to expect with the big show, all right? Uh, Allison Beveridge is coming on to talk about, you know, just a regular training cycle in the Olympics. Nothing unusual about being a, a summer Olympian. So we got that uh, and a pretty cool program that the Canadian Olympic Committee is working on. Uh, we'll talk about the glorious, fantastic, wonderful performance of the Tampa Bay Rays against the damn dirty cheaters that are are the Houston Astros and uh, Logan is burning to ask me specifically three questions. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. So well, he, uh, as always a busy start to the big show. He uh, set off the fire alarm because they were so smoking. <laughs> That's how burning they were. <laughs> oh, he, I can't wait. And then he put them in the trash can, which made it even worse. Cause we're not even supposed to have a trash can. So right. Just saying, just saying <laughs> that's coming up. Uh, we got will, we got Pat joining in after two o'clock baseball later on today. Uh, pre-game at 6, first pitch, uh, Astros and Rays goes at about 6.40 right here on Sportsnet 960. That's Hockey Central. We'll do it again tomorrow. Peter is ready with a big show next.